The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Well, a good Friday morning to you. Time right now. 822. You're listening to WGNS, your good neighbor station, since 1947. Well, this morning we're going to cover a number of topics, including an interview with several U.S. veterans and much more. All of that comes your way this morning on the action line. But we're going to start off this morning with a look at some of the local news stories that we have brought your way throughout the week, one of which the holiday season giving way to a number of crimes with some of the most common cases worked here locally by Murfreesboro police being shoplifting, vehicle break-ins, and domestic assaults. There have been 406 reports filed in Murfreesboro over the past 76 days that cover the categories of shoplifting, theft, and fraud, and Of that number, some of the cases involve thieves helping themselves to $500 worth of merchandise or more and simply walking out of a store, getting into a car, then driving away. Many of the shoplifters get away, but they are captured on camera. While being recorded on camera does not equal an arrest that day, suspects are usually caught on cameras in other stores and eventually tracked down. To learn more about some of the past shoplifting issues, you can go to our website, WGNSRadio.com, where we detail some past shoplifting stories. Now, between the dates of October 1 and December 15th, there were 90 reports of vehicle break-ins in Murfreesboro. A lot of the vehicles that were broken into were parked in areas of shopping centers, but just as many were parked in neighborhoods. A lot of times, thieves have it easy because people leave their cars and trucks unlocked, which is a big mistake because many criminals are looking for simplicity that does not involve shattering a window, which would attract attention. There have also been 30 vehicle thefts reported in the borough between October 1 and December 15th. Again, many of the cars that were stolen were left unlocked and actually had the keys in them or the vehicle was left running. Now, in nearby Nashville, the problem is much worse. There were over 500 vehicle break-ins in the Music City over the past 28 days alone, adding to the criminal element of additional problems created by vehicle break-ins are guns that people leave unattended in their car or truck. So far this year, 1,326 guns have been stolen from vehicles in Nashville. According to Metro Police calculations, that means that more than 70% of all guns reported as stolen this year in Nashville, total of 1,861 gun thefts so far, 70% were taken out of cars. Just last week in Davidson County, 21 guns were stolen from cars and trucks, many of which were left unlocked. That said, if you go shopping anywhere, Murfreesboro or Nashville, Smyrna, Laverne, doesn't matter where, lock your car doors when you get out of your car, for sure. In other news stories, this one quite big this week. You know, it's been one year since Legacy Sports announced plans to build a $350 million sports and entertainment venue in Murfreesboro. 
The announcement was made at a highly publicized press conference inside the Murfreesboro City Hall, where Legacy Sports talked about their intention to build the venue on Broad Street near I-840. Now, plans to move forward may have been stalled. Personally, I'm very skeptical on whether that would even occur or not. That announcement was made like a lot of announcements where the private company will come in, they want to have a big announcement, and of course the city is supportive with a large type of facility like that. But once that gets out of, I guess the best thing for me to say is I'm very skeptical on whether that would be becoming or not. That was Murfreesboro Mayor Shane McFarlane. In December of 2021, Legacy Sports CEO Chad Miller told residents of Rutherford County about their intention to build a 6,000-seat arena, outdoor amphitheater, basketball courts, a gymnastics center, 57 indoor volleyball courts, baseball fields, football fields, and more. The proposed facility in Murfreesboro would be similar to the Legacy Sports USA venue in Mesa, Arizona at Bell Bank Park. The property is reported to be the largest privately owned multi-sport complex in America and a nonprofit organization known as Legacy Cares Incorporated was reported to be the owner of the sports park. The grand opening for the Arizona venue took place earlier this year in January. Several months after Legacy Sports announced the opening of the sports venue in Arizona, problems began to arise. In October of this year, article in the Arizona Central newspaper suggests that Legacy Cares, the owner of Bellbank Park, is losing an average of $880,000 monthly. In Murfreesboro, Mayor Shane McFarland said, We've been following what sort of is happening out in Arizona with their Mesa, Arizona development, and there's been a lot of controversy and questions with that development. So Mr. Tindall and I have virtually listened in on several different investor calls. Now, according to a report filed by KPHO-TV in Arizona, Legacy Cares has missed monthly payments and failed to submit audits and financial statements to investors. As a result, a formal notice was by a formal notice issued by a bond trustee, that bond trustee OMB Bank, and that formal notice sent to investors about those missed payments on October 18th. The news report also highlighted 10 subcontractors who reportedly filed liens against the property that equal millions of dollars. The sports complex at Bell Bank Park in Arizona is financed through a mixture of municipal bonds and loans. If Legacy Sports is unable to move forward with plans to build that massive sports and entertainment venue in Murfreesboro, the land that was earmarked for the project on Broad Street at I-840 may sit vacant. Legacy Sports has yet to purchase that property that's currently owned by a local family. The Horde family has owned that property for as long as I can remember. You know, if that doesn't come to fruition, it'll be really up to the Horde family to determine, you know, what they want to do with the property. And then the city, of course, would work with whoever is looking for the use to make sure that that fits. Mayor McFarland said the future of the land, again, up to the Horde family, Uh, But keep in mind that land has already been annexed to the city, into the city, I should say, uh, for that future development that may or may not happen. WGNS reached out to Ryan Woodcock with Legacy Sports to ask for a statement regarding their proposed investment in Murfreesboro. 
And on December the 12th, Woodcock told WGNS in an email, and I quote, Chad Miller with Legacy Sports is going to reach out to you here shortly to provide some comment. He's the CEO of Legacy Sports. Well, as of today, December 16th, WGNS has not received anything from the CEO of Legacy Sports. We will keep following this story. Time right now, 830 a lot more to come this morning on today's Action Line. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. Today is Friday, December the 16th, and here's a look at that weather forecast. Today, the high is going to reach 47 degrees. Tonight, the low will go down to 29 with a 2% chance of rain today. Then for Saturday, the 17th, The high will reach 43 and the low down to 23 degrees on Saturday night tomorrow. There is a 4% chance of rain, other than that, partly cloudy skies. On Sunday, it's going to be sunny, only a 5% chance of rain on Sunday. The high will reach 40, the low down to 22 degrees. For Monday, the high will go up to 45 degrees and a low down to 31 on Monday night. Should be cloudy on Monday with a 10% chance of rain. Again, 10% chance of rain come Monday, high of 45. For Tuesday, 49 degrees is your high, and then Tuesday night, it'll go down to 31 degrees. On Tuesday, there is a 9% chance of rain, and there will be partly cloudy skies on Tuesday. Forecasters are talking about snow in the near future. Now, there was a 20% chance of snow come Sunday night. Looks like that has somewhat gone away but there is still a chance of snow coming up. That chance of snow comes your way on Thursday with a high of 33 degrees. And the low, are you ready for this? The low on Thursday down to four degrees. And yes, there is a chance of some snow flurries. The chance of precipitation overall on Thursday is at 47%. But again, with that cold weather dropping down to 4 degrees, there's also a chance of snow flurries. Again, that's this coming Thursday. And cold would be an understatement for next week. The temperature really begins to drop on Thursday. Because on Wednesday, the high is 49 and the low dips down to 31. It's Thursday that we're going to see that four degree temperature, and that will be Thursday evening. The high during the day again, 33 on Thursday. Then for Friday, the high is going to be at 18 degrees. Again, Friday, you heard me right, high 18 degrees this coming Friday, low down to 10 degrees. Next Saturday, high of 25, 
Temperatures will dip down to 15 degrees with a 5% chance of rain next Saturday. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Of course, that gives a lot of time for a lot of change in the forecast because you're talking about a week away. But still, it's going to be cold, very cold, by the end of the week next week. For WGNS, I'm Scott Walker on this Friday morning, today the 16th of December. And once more, not to get today confused with next week's forecast, today the high will be at about 47 degrees. And then Saturday, high 43 low of 23 come Saturday night. Again, I'm Scott Walker. We have a lot more coming up in just a minute right here on the WGNS Action Line. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Dream Sember Sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $700 on Sealy. Only at Mattress Firm. Did you know that feeling sluggish or weighed down could be signs that your digestive system isn't working at its best? But taking Metamucil every day can help. Metamucil supports your daily digestive health using a special plant-based fiber called psyllium. Psyllium works by forming a gel in your digestive system to trap and remove the waste that weighs you down. Metamucil's gelling action also helps to promote heart health and slows down sugar absorption to promote healthy blood sugar levels. Start feeling lighter and more energetic by taking Metamucil every day. Again, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Friday morning. Today, the 16th of December, just a matter of days away from Christmas. And you know, this time of year, there is a chance for you to give a big thank you to a lot of folks who are coming home. In fact, for a lot of our veterans who've been stationed overseas, who've been stationed in other states, who are coming home during the Christmas holiday, this definitely gives you a time to thank them for their service, especially if they're one of your family members. I know my son, who is in the U.S. Army, was stationed in California at Fort Irwin, where he worked as a combat medic, and he worked at the hospital there on base. He is now stationed in Texas, and uh, not sure where the next stop will be, but he'll be there in Texas at least until, I'd say, March or April or so. He's gone back to school to become a flight medic as opposed to the combat medic. Now, when he was a combat medic serving there in year 2020, he worked at the emergency room that sits in the middle of the Mojave Desert. The interesting thing about Fort Irwin is that you've got thousands of troops who go there on a regular basis and then leave and then come back for training. And then you'll see another group of troops coming in, training to go to places like Afghanistan or numerous other areas that are in desert-like countries. And with that being said, the temperature there in the summertime gets very hot. And in August of 2020, there was a mesh casualty that took place during a historic and record-breaking heat wave that reached 130 degrees. And due to the number of soldiers that were out there training at that time, it meant all hands on deck because there were a lot of soldiers who became ill in that kind of heat. And that is when that mass casualty occurred at Fort Irwin again in 2020. It was in August. 
A mass casualty in a setting like that for the military is called a mass cal, where the number of wounded casualties exceeds the capabilities of the medical facility. And my son working on the base that day, uh, Reed Walker, for proving tremendous leadership in supervising and delegating medical treatment and displaying great initiative in taking charge of triage and emergency department protocol in the absence of senior medical leaders. The official report confirmed that uh, Walker, my son, personally unloaded 94 patients from both air and ground ambulances during the event and voluntarily worked eight days straight to include more than 20 hours per day independently providing medical care to the treatment of soldiers who were there training in the Mojave Desert. But you know, it's things like that that so many of our soldiers do on a regular basis. You know, if it's not overseas protecting our country, it's here in our own homeland training to go overseas or training for the worst case scenario, an attack here on our home turf. But our troops are constantly working to keep America safe. And then I've got another son who is a fireman here locally in Rutherford County. Now, currently he is with the Volunteer Fire Department, but he just got hired on at the Rutherford County Fire Department. And here in Rutherford County, he'll be working as a fireman. So this time of year also gives you a chance to give thanks to those who serve locally in protecting our citizens all throughout the community because day in and day out, they risk their lives to protect us, especially during the occasion of car accidents, house fires, and then the numerous other calls that firemen and police officers go to. Could be a domestic violence situation where somebody's injured. Could be a heart attack that happens inside a local grocery store. And so my son Sammy will be working as a fireman for the Rutherford County Fire Department as the fire department expands locally. And as a lot of you have heard in past newscasts, the Rutherford County Fire Department is expanding greatly. They've been hiring new firemen, and they're building new fire stations that will also include ambulance stations as well. So there's a lot being done locally, and there's a lot of opportunity locally for residents to make sure they thank those who help our city and protect our city and keep our city safe 24 hours a day. So if you see a fireman out there, if you see a police officer out there, especially during the holidays, make sure you tell them thank you for the job that they do. Now, in this next segment, we're going to go back to an interview with a local veteran. Keith Rudluff. Keith was in Vietnam between 1969 and 1971, served in the U.S. Army. You know, I've talked to people who served in Vietnam and and I've had some of them tell me funny stories about things that they did when they were off duty, you know, going out to eat and doing something crazy. Those are not the stories you hold on to. No. I mean, those are far and few in between. It's the negative stories that you hold on to. It's those stories that you can't live with, that you wake up in the middle of the night screaming about. I mean, those are the stories that haunt you for years to come. I have that problem at night. I sit on the couch in the dark. I'm very comfortable in the dark, and I see images going through the house. I'll hear a sound. I'll get up, and I'll check all the windows and doors. Nine times out of ten, it's nothing. I know where it's at, but it's still there. After all these years, it's still there. Where you ended up serving was in the middle of nowhere land. You and and four other men were out by yourself. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was assigned to MACV, Advisor Team 71, out of Sock Train, down in the Delta. There was uh, four, four individuals plus myself. I was a radio operator. We had two companies of Arvins. We had uh, one platoon of police. 
we had a couple of mortars and we had three artillery pieces, two 105s and a 155 that we supported the Arvins when they went out on missions. And it's just uh, five of us. Something happened and you get overrun, you're on your own. And help is 30, 40, maybe even an hour away. And you just have to do the best you can with what you have and survive. I, I didn't uh, realize until I got over there, was in the first ambush, that those people were trying to kill me. And I didn't know them. I had done nothing to them. And that's when you just have to get the mindset that it's going to be them and not me. That's how you get home. I bet it's extremely hard to get in that mindset, or maybe it's not. Once you start getting fired upon, I, I, it may not be hard. I don't know. Is it tough? It's, it's hard, and then... 30 years later, they say, oh, well, you guys have got PTSD. And when we came back, nobody knew about it. I mean, it was the same thing as uh, shell shock. You just went on with your life. Depression is a huge thing that a lot of Vietnam-era veterans deal with. It's something that a lot of veterans from really every war front deal with. And we were talking about the fact that you have to get over the mindset in the very beginning, I'm going to kill them because they're not going to kill me. I've got a family to go home to. <laughs> Years later, that has a huge impact on so many soldiers. It has a, a profound impact. The fact that you took X amount of lives. I mean, that is one of the hardest things to deal with years later. I've been back out of Vietnam since 1971, and I have two close friends. One uh, passed away from cancer, and the other one lives in northern Michigan. Those are the only two that I let get real close to me. They know exactly what was happening. Other than that, I just stay away. You know, I've got a label. People don't like the label, but... I'm sorry. I'm proud of what I did. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Keith Rudliff again with us. Served in Vietnam between 1961 and 1971 in the U.S. Army. When you came back the first time, what kinds of things were said? When we got back into California, they told us, do not wear your uniforms. But, I mean, you could, you could tell and without a uniform that we were veterans that had just come home. I've been called baby killer. I've been spit on. In a restaurant, people talking bad about you, make stupid comments. If they had been in my shoes, they would have probably done the same thing. At 19, you feel invincible. And then you, uh, you see reality. Uh, you see that you're not invincible. You see your friends dying in front of you. You see people who you met at boot camp dying directly in front of you. And you realize, I guess, for the first time at that age, man, life is short. It is. Yeah. You're one heartbeat away. That's war. Unfortunately, you try the very best to protect the person on your right and left because you know they're not going to leave you and you're not going to leave them. We're all going to come out of here together or Somebody else is going to have to carry us out of here together. Again, you're tuned to WGNS on this Friday morning, today, December the 16th. We do have more news, more information, and a lot more, including another interview with a man who also served in Vietnam. That comes your way in just a minute on WGNS on this Friday morning, just nine days away from Christmas, and of course, eight days away from Christmas Eve. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 
What do you like most about Adam's Place? My apartment. I love my apartment. It's roomy and I've got lots of books and I've got room for everything and my little dog likes it, so we're happy in my apartment. We're talking with Betty Kirksey. The people are nice. Everybody that works here, I have found it. They're really nice. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. We're broadcasting today from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric, your power supply since 1936. Good morning. We still see that heavy traffic volume trying to get out of Rutherford County on 24 westbound up through the Hickory Hollow area. That's why we're checking out live over here at Bell Road. It looks like it's starting to run a little bit slow again on 40 westbound uh, over in Hermitage as you head over into Donaldson area there at Donaldson Pike. Uh, just allow yourself extra time there coming in from Wilson County. Lots of radar in Dixon County this morning on I-40 out around 840. Hey, Nash Painting Services, all of Middle Tennessee. If you want it done right, done by the pros, you'll call these guys. NashPainting.com. I'm Commander Chuck, your on-time traffic. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at TireWorld.us. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. In this next segment on this Friday morning, we go back to an interview where we talk to a World War II veteran, Dr. Charles Edwin Howard. He talks about his experience during training right before he was shipped overseas. I was sent first to radio school. Then, when I finished that, I was sent to Yuma, Arizona, to gunnery school. Dr. Charles Edwin Howard, a World War II veteran. And here we started out with shotguns on the back of a pickup truck, standing up, and we fired at discs, thrown out, went around a big circle. We went from that to a place where we sat, and they showed pictures of airplanes coming out of the side and front and so forth, and we fired a light gun at these. Then they sent me to Savannah, Georgia, and there we met the crew that we would fly with. Dr. Howard was in the U.S. Air Force. November of 1943, we got on the Ile de France, the old iconic luxury ship. I was a 13 floors down from the top. It was very uh, sickening and very hot, bad, slept in a hammock. It took us quite a few days to get across. Oh, I was sick almost all the time. So was everybody else. But uh, we finally docked right out of Glasgow, Scotland. We got in a truck and drove to a place called Defum Green. That was a little village, and all around this village was the base, 452nd Palm Group, and that was my assignment. In this loop, we talked to a World War II veteran. 452nd Palm Group, right before Thanksgiving, I flew my first mission. It was noisy and bumpy, and uh, I was scared to death. Everybody scared. When we got back, the ground crew, which looks after just our B-17 plane, one of the maintenance men came in. The radio man sits in a little space with a desk and all the radio equipment in the middle of the plane, and you have a window on your left. And he came in and looked around. He said, well, that hole wasn't there when 
you took off, we would have fixed that. I didn't remember it, but we had been hit by a fighter. But I didn't know it. There's so much noise and so much activity, you know, that didn't hear it. Dr. Charles Edwin Howard. He flew in a total of 19 missions and was even shot down. Again, going back to World War II, talking to a World War II veteran in an interview that we did a couple of years in the past. From that time on, I was a little wiser. The name of the plane was Lamb's Wolves. Our pilot, until our last mission, our pilot was a fellow named Lamb, and so we named the plane Lamb's Wolves. Now, I flew 19 missions. I was on our 20th mission, but I didn't finish the 20th one. On the 28th of November, we went to Duisburg, Germany. We went to Kassel, Germany on the 29th, but we didn't go on the 30th. Then on the 31st, we went to Berlin. Now, this was the first time we had fighters escort us. They didn't have a fighter that could carry enough guns to go all the way to Berlin, but we didn't get there. We were diverted to uh, Dalton, spent the night there. Then the next day, we came back from Dalton. Then the next mission we flew on a Sunday to uh, Munich. Then we flew to Leipzig, Germany. We went to Nuremberg. It was a hard one. Nuremberg was a very difficult one. We really got shot up in Nuremberg. One plane came in. I mean, he was on our left wing. We were not to the initial point. That's where you start your bomb run. And uh, fighters come in just before you get to that. Quite often, planes, you know, would hit. And I tell you the truth, I was more afraid of that than I was machine guns or flak. Dr. Charles Edwin Howard, talking about his experiences during World War II. This is a great time of year to thank our local veterans because I know a lot of family will be coming together in just a few days. Of course, Christmas, nine days away. Christmas Eve, eight days away. So if you are seeing family members who are currently serving in the military or who have served in the military, talk to them whenever they get to your house or you get to their house. Talk to them about their service and and thank them. It's a great time of the year to do that. Again, you're listening to WGNS on this Friday morning, today, December the 16th. We'll post this show on our podcast section. Just click on podcast, then find the action line. That's what show title it'll be under, and then look for this episode. For WGNS News on this Friday, I'm Scott Walker. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. The older model car that you need to get to work? Yeah, we've helped with that. The HVAC unit that suddenly needs to be replaced? We've helped with that. Repairing your credit? Yes, we've helped with that. How about a second chance at a checking account? We've even helped with that. Experience the Heritage South difference. Learn more at HeritageSouth.org. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, hi, and hello there. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Fun lovers and truth seekers. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS AM FM online. Today is Friday, December the 16th, and yes, we are just nine days away from Christmas Day and eight days away from Christmas Eve. 
We'll get an update on what's happening around the country and around the world with CBS News and their one-minute news update in just a second. But first, wanted to go back to that weather forecast for Christmas Day. Now, of course, this is uh, nine days out, so it's going to be somewhat accurate, probably not 100%. Starting with Christmas Eve on December 24th, you're looking at a high of 25 degrees and a low Christmas Eve night, 15 degrees. And that will be partly cloudy skies on Christmas Eve, December 24th, which is Saturday, December 24th, a week out. The chance of precipitation, 5%. Then for Sunday, December 25th, Christmas Day, the high at 28 degrees. And the low on Christmas night is going to be down to 20. A lot of people will be traveling. A lot of people will be visiting friends and family. Be careful on the road because with temperatures down to the 20s, that means a chance of ice. So definitely watch out for that. But on Christmas Day, once more, the high will reach 28 degrees. The low Christmas night will be down to 20 degrees all under partly cloudy skies. The chance of precipitation looks to be at about 24%. That means there could be some snow on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day. Wouldn't that be cool having a white Christmas? It's been a long time, I think. Again, Christmas Day, the high will be at 28 degrees, the low down to 20 degrees. That is Sunday, December 25th. Let's now take a look at the news around the country and around the world with this one-minute CBS News update. CBS News Brief. Elon Musk suspended more than a dozen reporters from Twitter, claiming they're endangering his life and his family's by tweeting about users who are tracking the platform's leader. CNET's Ian Schur says... Why is a person who says that they believe in free speech suddenly cutting off access for reporters at some of the biggest news organizations in the world? Government shutdown. Averted. On this vote, the yeas are 71 and the nays are 19. Last night, lawmakers in the Senate passed a stopgap spending bill, giving themselves another week to work out details of a $1.7 billion budget package. Sentencing hearing today for a former Texas police officer found guilty in the shooting death of a black woman through the window of her home. Family attorney Lee Merritt. We were disappointed in a, a manslaughter conviction because it bears a lower penalty. And we're very invested in the penalty phase of the trial now. CBS News Brief. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Today is Friday, December the 16th. And yes, we are just nine days away from Christmas Day and eight days away from Christmas Eve. Hey, neighbor, when you talk, others listen. If it's on Good Neighbor Talk, keep it here. WTNS AM, FM, FM, online. And now on this last portion of the program on WGNS Murphy's Bro, we head to MTSU professor Larry Burris, who talks about freedom of speech. This Thursday, December 15th, marks the 231st anniversary of the ratification of the Bill of Rights, including the First Amendment. Lately, I've been reading a book about Magna Carta, and how, over the last 800 years, the basic principles of that document are still as alive today as they were when King John signed them in 1215. Likewise with the First Amendment. Despite more than 200 years of turmoil, change, and differing social philosophies, the basic principles of the First Amendment are still intact. The amendment itself is fairly short, only 45 words long. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, 
or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Interestingly enough, the writers of the amendment put its application in the hands of the people, not the government. In fact, it is the government that is proscribed from taking action. The government is told what it cannot do, what can be done is left in the hands of the people, to do as much or as little as they want. This means, then, the amendment is well suited to meet changing times and conditions. It means that as people and society change, the amendment is flexible enough to meet new demands and challenges. In fact, its very vagueness is what makes it so accommodating. The amendment means just what we want it to mean. The only restriction is that the government cannot do anything to suppress your freedom of religion, speech, press assembly, nor your right to petition the government. And the amendment belongs to all of us, not just the press, not just organized religion, not just community leaders, agitators, and politicians. All you have to do is use it. I'm Larry Burris.